Hello, and welcome to The Celestial Tales, a podcast where we explore the night sky using both mythology and astronomy. In each episode, I, Gemma Kerr, will tell you a story that a culture has linked to a constellation, as well as describing some of its astronomical features and how you can observe them yourself. In a mini Christmas special, this episode will explore a small collection of linked myths surrounding the time of Yule. We will meet some figures from pagan mythology and discover their links to similar characters in Norse mythology. In a slightly unusual astronomy section, we will stay within our own solar system to find out more about the winter solstice, which underpins today's stories. Before we begin, I just wanted to remind people that there are only a few days left to participate in the research project running alongside the Celestial Tales. Participation is completely voluntary, but if you do have a few minutes, then I'd be very grateful if you could fill out the short survey found in the episode description. Thank you so much to everyone who's already done it. The survey closes on the 31st of December, if you haven't yet and would like to. Okay, on with today's story. Long, long ago, when the world was young, twin brothers were born. They grew up together in the forest, feeling lucky to be not just brothers, but also very firm friends. Each loved the other as if he were part of himself, for, in a way, they were part of each other. They were both part of the forest, part of nature, just as everything was. But as they grew to be adults, it became clear that each brother had developed different connections with, and different intentions for, nature. One brother loved nature for its growth, and wished to see the forest forever bathed in light and warmth. He had forged a bond with the oak tree, which he admired for its strength and beautiful green leaves. So strong was their bond that the man was, himself, made from oak, with a mane of luscious oak leaves framing his face. He was the Oak King. But the Oak King's twin brother had chosen a different course. He loved nature for its perseverance, and wished to see the forest swept into darkness and cold. He had forged a bond with the holly tree, which he admired for its evergreen persistence, remaining vibrant when all other leaves withered. So strong was their bond that this brother too was fused with the forest, a permanent crown of holly leaves and berries adorning his head. He was the Holly King. As they wandered their own paths through the forest, each brother cared little about his differences with his twin. Wherever the Oak King walked, he brought warmth and new life sprung up from the ground. Wherever the Holly King walked, he brought frost and death to weaker plants, making room for new life to grow. As each man grew more powerful, they grew apart from each other. The Oak King could not understand why his brother seemed intent on destroying the creatures that he loved. Nor could the Holly King understand why his brother kept things growing and growing with no time for rebirth, and soon no space for new life. And so it came that the brothers decided to battle each other for control of the forest. Their battle began in mid-March, and, at first, seemed evenly matched. But soon the power of the Holly King began to dwindle, and, by the start of May, his power was very low indeed. So low, in fact, that to keep him out of trouble, 
the Oak King turned the Holly King into a wren. For months, the Oak King reigned over the forest, unchecked by the Holly King. Flowers bloomed, crops grew tall, and animals multiplied swiftly. So much so, that just as the Holly King had predicted, the world was starting to run out of space. As the forest felt this change, it knew exactly what it needed. Power began to grow in the wren body of the Holly King. The Holly King's power grew and grew, until, at the end of October, he burst from his bird body, transforming himself back into a Holly Man. It was time for another battle with his brother. And this time the Holly King was victorious, and he was going to do to his brother exactly what he had done to him. The Holly King transformed the Oak King into a Robin. For months, the Holly King reigned over the forest, unchecked by the Oak King. Flowers withered and died, crops failed, and many animals were laid to rest. This made way for other types of life, life which welcomed the cold and the dark that the Holly King brought with him. But, just as before, the forest saw that death without life and cold without warmth was unsustainable. So, in late December, at the winter solstice, as the Holly King reached the height of his power, the forest began to divert more of it to the Oak King in his robin body. So, by the time late March came around again, the power of the Oak King and the Holly King was once again in balance. The battle continues, as it always has, with power cycling through each king and times of balance. This is the wheel of the year, always turning, always changing, and yet familiar. For even in the cold winter, when the Holly King brings the darkness, we can see the robin and be reminded that, before long, the Oak King will rise again, bringing warmth and light. The figures of the Holly King and the Oak King are most commonly associated with pagan legend, though they, or very similar characters, also appear in Wiccan tales. And of course, tellings vary, most notably that many versions have the kings the other way round, with the Holly King reigning over summer and the Oak King reigning over winter. In many cases too, the kings are not transformed into birds, but instead die and are reborn, using up their life force in governing the forest. The relationship between the men also varies, and particularly in the Wiccan tales, the kings represent two sides of the same being. This being is often the Horned God, one of the two major deities in Wicca. This story of the Holly King and the Oak King comes from England, and is ancient. This has left plenty of time for the stories to be influenced by any of the many cultures that have since come to the area. Of these, links to Norse culture have become one of the most associated with Yule. The Horned God, and the Holly King in particular, have been likened to Odin. We are going to dive properly into Norse mythology soon, so this is just a tiny introduction, but Odin is essentially the king of the Viking gods. He, like many of the Norse gods, is really into fighting and drinking, which is probably all the context you need for now. At the winter solstice, Odin is said to lead his wild hunt through the sky, 
riding atop his eight-legged flying horse named Slepnir. Odin leads an enormous group of supernatural hunters on a frenzied ride to capture demons or collect souls to take to the underworld. They are loud, sometimes ghostly, often accompanied by dogs or wolves. The phenomenon is said to be terrifying to mortals who see it. But it does present an opportunity. People, especially children, should leave a carrot or other food for Slepnir the horse in their boots. Odin will then take the food in the night and swap it for gifts that he leaves in those boots instead. This has been suggested as a possible origin for the tradition of leaving stockings out for Father Christmas. Odin himself is sometimes known as the Yolfader, meaning Yule Father. Many Christmas traditions, and lots of the symbolism, have roots in pagan stories or Germanic mythology, of which Norse myth is a part, though a huge number of cultures have some kind of winter solstice-related festival. It was a deliberate choice by the early Christian church to celebrate Christmas at a time when people already had their own celebrations. This would make the transition from non-Christian to Christian easier. Of course, now Christmas means a whole lot of different things to loads of different people, which is wonderful, and part of that meaning for some is the celebration of the return of the sun and the opportunity for rebirth that winter allows. I've mentioned the winter solstice several times during today's episode, but what actually is the winter solstice? Well, falling around the 22nd of December in the Northern Hemisphere, the winter solstice is the longest night of the year. And by night, I mean the time when the sun is below the horizon, as in the time when it's dark rather than the time when people choose to sleep. This is all caused by the position of the Earth in relation to the sun. As well as orbiting the sun, the Earth also spins on its own axis. Listeners of the Druva and Polaris episode may remember the big stick going through the North and South Pole. Earth is spinning on that stick. However, something I didn't mention in that episode is that the stick is a bit wonky. The Earth is actually tilted 23.5 degrees away from the vertical. This means that as the Earth travels around the Sun, sometimes the stick is pointing towards the Sun, and sometimes it is pointing away from it. This is what causes the seasons, changes in temperature as well as the hours during which the sun is up. If you think about the top of the stick, the northern hemisphere, pointed slightly towards the sun, even though the earth spins, at no point will the arctic circle be facing away from the sun. That's why, during the summer in places like Iceland, you get days when the sun never sets. The winter solstice occurs when your part of the world is facing away from the sun, resulting in very long nights instead. Again, to make things nice and easy, this arrangement means that everything is dependent on which hemisphere you're in. The winter solstice for the northern hemisphere is the summer solstice in the southern hemisphere. So, at the same time the northern hemisphere experiences its longest night, the southern hemisphere has its longest day. Everything stays in balance. Cycles of change are prominent ideas in both astronomy and mythology. Unsurprising, really, when you remember that both areas are often simply trying to explain what we can see happening around us. So whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate at this time of year, I hope you have a lovely Yule 
and that you can use this time to rest and prepare for the next year. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing to it. And if you have time, then rating or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts would help me and the show out massively. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tales Celestial or like the Facebook page. A quick reminder too that the deadline is at the end of December 2021 for completing the optional survey to help out the Celestial Tales in a research project. Thank you to everyone who has already taken part, and if you haven't yet, then please consider it. It is short and there are no wrong answers. Join us in the new year when we'll be exploring a new constellation and getting into some of the astronomy and mythology behind it. I'm Gemma Kerr, and this has been The Celestial Tales. Thanks again for listening. See you soon. Thank you.